from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Nathan Drinkard, I'm Jay Watts. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. Uh, as you well know, our show is hosted on the Anchor app, but we're on all the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just to name a few. And if you're looking for us on video, you can find us on our Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Like, listen, share, subscribe, drink. A lot of great basketball been played with the play-in and playoffs beginning of the day. I'm feeling real good about this. What about you? It's time! You know what I'm saying? It's playoff time. You know, shouts out to my boy Bruce Buffer. You know, I like that when he hit that right before the main events of them UFCs and all that. But um, it's time, man. We NBA basketball, we just, you know, we're wrapping up the play-in scenario. So now we're about to get into the meat and potatoes. So another Saturday, we're giving the people what they need to hear. Um, so uh, once again, y'all know how we give it up. Uh, we see what they don't. We're going to say what they want. And uh, let's talk some sports, baby. All right, episode 53, the Wizards capture the eighth seed in the East, and we're geared up to preview all things first round of the NBA playoffs. But we start with the final playoff seed in the West, which was secured last night by the Memphis Grizzlies with a 117-112 overtime win over the Golden State Warriors. John Morant scored 35 points, including two floaters in the final minute, which helped secure the win. And on a night where the other Grizzlies starters struggled shooting, where they got in foul trouble, reserves Grayson Allen, Xavier Tillman, and Desmond Bain were all in double figures. Steph Curry scored a game-high 39 points in 47 minutes. That was despite a valiant defensive effort from Memphis. Draymond Green scored a triple-double, and Andrew Wiggins added 22 points and 10 rebounds. But the Warriors were careless with the basketball throughout to the tune of 21 turnovers. The Grizzlies have earned the right to face the Utah Jazz in the first round, and the Warriors' season is over. All right, Drink, did this play-in tournament damage Steph Curry's reputation in any way, or is that too hard of a line to take? Absolutely. It's, it's too hard. If anything, somebody get the Teflon and put it back on uh, Steph. This, this version of Steph Curry, I can argue, is probably the best version of Steph Curry we've seen to date. Um, we have never seen Steph had to go out there and win a game without the likes of Klay Thompson, without the likes of Draymond Green, and to a further extent, the likes of uh, Kevin Durant. Um, this team is by far the worst team he's the, he'd have been on. Um, if you if you go back to those championship teams, I, 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 I would pose the question. If you took Steph and uh, Draymond off this team, would you take any of the players that's currently on this team 
over the likes of when you had the um, Barnes and when you had uh, Barbosa and when you had Iguodala and when you had guys like that. I, I, I just doubt it. I really doubt it. And for what Steph did to get his team in this position this year, how he performed in the play-in tournament, I mean, how could you not respect him? You, I, I feel like you got to put more respect on his reputation. After, thi- after this, like, I, w- I was one of those guys, and I admit that I said, Steph is good. He's transformable. He didn't single-handedly put the five position out of the NBA. If you can't shoot a three, we'll see. Hey, go over to Europe, play some ball over there or something, because you're done in the NBA. That was Steph Curry. That was the, you know, to a extent, if you want to say Clay Thompson, um, Damian Lillard, what, what not. But the, the 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 founder of that type of play was Steph Curry. Pull up from the locker room. Pull up from the parking lot. That was him. However. My opinion of Steph was, you know, okay, he's cool. He's a superstar, but I just don't see him being a number one. I don't see him being able to, you know, put a team on his back and take him to the promised land. This year, I had to put some respect on his name, man. Like, he, first of all, what he's the oldest scoring champ since Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's commitment. Anytime you do anything and you compare it to Michael Jordan, that's a doggone good comparison. You know what I mean? So he's showing he still got game. And this year he's showing if you give him the opportunity, he could be a number one. Them, them guys last night did not help him. Hell, his number two, we actually got respect for his number two. But even he hit or miss with that being Draymond Green. And he got to depend on the likes of Wiggins and Poole and Bazemore. And what are we doing here? What what are we doing? I say John Morant probably got a better number two than than Steph got this year. Well, all right, that's disrespectful to Draymond Green. But I would say John Morant got, let's say, a better better three, four, and five than right now than Steph Curry. So to not make this long-winded, I don't think the playing tournament damaged him. I don't. You you cannot you cannot watch that Lakers versus Warriors matchup and and walk away and be like, man, Steph, Steph overrated. Steph Steph don't deserve all the hype. You if you watch that game and you left and that was, and that was what you was thinking, you don't know what you're looking at. You got to know what you're seeing out here. Steph was putting it all on the line. And then even last night, if Steph don't play. This was probably the you know the first blowout we get from the Western play-in games. So, no nah, man, the, the 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 be honest with you, no, absolutely not, man. I I think Steph won way more kudos than than, pe- than people turning their back on him. You have to respect him. Um, this weekend it was announced he was one of the finalists for the MVP award. You can't. How how, how do you look? You know. How do you look at his the season he'd have had, the playing tournament he'd have had, and do anything but respect what he done done? Then you think about it, like I was talking to you before the show. Now you have to ask yourself where the Warriors gonna go from here, because we know we know what we're gonna get out of Steph. We kind of know what we're gonna get out of Draymond. Clay will be coming back. I think Looney is probably you know locked into his 
his contract, his position on the team. These other guys, Wiggins and, and Oubre to be examples, the guys that got a name, but we, we still trying to wait for them to actually go to the next level. Those I, I just wonder what would the Warriors do because, you know, Wiseman will be, be back next year. But, you know, with all that said, with all that said, I, I no, to answer the question, no, I think Steph's reputation, if anything, it got lifted. It's, it's better now. He's in a better position today as far as his reputation than he was three weeks ago. Um, now, to the game itself, you know, I want to give a good, you know, shout out to the Grizzlies, man. Hey, once again, this is another shot across the ball to that team in New Orleans. Oh, man. Um, It's another shot at them, man. Is it that, like... Once again, like you like you always say, you, you kind of got to tie the Grizzlies with the Pelicans because where Zion went, where John Morant went, both in the same conference. Um, so you, 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 you just got to feel like we're supposed to see them both rise at the same time. But that's not what we're seeing, folks. That's not what we're seeing out here. John Morant is out here looking like the real deal, Holyfield. And I, I got it. If you want to say... Oh, we hype with John Morant over a play-in tournament? No, we hype with John Morant because he actually coming out here looking like he want to be in the playoffs. He did the same thing last year. They, they didn't get it, but did you know he that the Grizzlies was hanging around to the last minute, right? Way more than we can say about the Pelicans. A lot more than we, what we can say about the Pelicans. So, you know, kudos to John Morant, man. Uh, I, you know, um. Kudos to the coach. His name eludes uh, me. I want to give him a shout out. His name with Frazier, Leslie Frazier. Um, for, for the Grizzlies? Yes. That'd be Taylor, Taylor Jenkins. Oh, shoot. Taylor Jenkins. My bad. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, uh, kudos to him. I, you know, I tried. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm, I'm not shy about it. it is what it is. You, you can't get everything wrong. I, I don't be writing nothing down, so that, that's my fault. Uh, but with that said, uh, kudos to them, man. They they Because we have to remember this now. The, the Grizzlies went into Golden State and won this game. Yeah. It was a crowd there. It wasn't like it was just straight up, no, you know, silence in there. It was a crowd. You They was making their presence known when they could because the Warriors – didn't really, I mean, every now and then they gave them something to get loud about, but for majority of the night, the Warriors kind of, you know, took the crowd out themselves. Uh, but, you know, I just want to say, you know, shout outs to them. You know, this is a young team, man. They're going to have to figure out how to get something else there to take them to the next level. But as far as the young talent that they have on this team, it's amazing, man. It's it's like I love the way they play. Um, it seems like the veterans that they do have on the team have no problem with John Morant being the leader. They they let him do his thing. Um, I I really like what I seen out of Memphis. No, not with that said. You know what? I I, I beat that that point when we get later in the show. But you know, congratulations to the Grizzlies. Good game. You know, where, where do the Warriors go from here? And no, man, I think Steph Curry's reputation is in is intact. Now, 
who I, who I think will have a problem as far as reputation is Andrew Wiggins. And what, what we're doing? This is your time. Andrew Wiggins, this was your time to show us something. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't know. This the, I don't know emoji. Like, I don't know. So, Andrew Wiggins is the one I think took a hit. If anything, Draymond Green reputation took a hit. But Steph is fine. So, that's how I look at that. Oh, I, I, I do agree with you. I don't think um, I don't think it's quite fair to just write Steph Curry off in this play in after losing to the Lakers on a, a three rim shot from LeBron, you know, and um, this game by Utah when John Morant just had a, a ter terrific performance. I mean, Steph was Steph was really good in both games. And I look at I look at last night and, you know, the guy scores 39 points on just under 50% shooting. Right. And I just, you know, it's one of those situations where Steph was really good last night. And I thought Memphis's defense was equally outstanding. And then think about that. I, I truly believe Memphis's defense last night was terrific. I mean, you, you look back at how he at you know, the Dylan Brooks chasing them around and he had help everywhere he went generally. They're really, I don't know if you can go back and find more than one and two baskets by Steph to where they weren't contested or they weren't difficult. It was it was that type of night, but he but that that also speaks to his greatness. He can get 39 points. Every one of them can be difficult because that's how great he is, even at was he now 33. So, but I do think, you know, it's a it's a pretty, you know, people can fall into this. So, you know, they they were the eight seed. They had two chances to win one game and get in the playoffs. They didn't do it. Must be Steph's fault. And I think he does deserve a little bit of blame, as does Draymond Green, because they were so, so sloppy with the basketball. And this isn't this isn't really all that unusual. Even you go back to 2015 and Steve Kerr, and Steve Kerr's first season as coach, the one thing that always kind of as beautiful as their ball movement is, they just sometimes they're, they're just a little careless. And last night they were careless to the they were exponentially careless and I'm surprised it wasn't upwards to 25 and maybe even more turnovers because Lord, they were terrible. And it wasn't Steph. It wasn't just Steph and Draymond other, and you know, there was far too many occasions where Steph is running off ball. He's doing everything he can to be open, but he ain't got there yet. And they just forcing him the ball anyway. And it just resulted in too many turnovers. Mm -hmm. Memphis had, you know, they Memphis, you know, took advantage of them to the tune of, you know, they get out in a fast break. They, they get more shot attempts up. They also did a good, Memphis also was very good in offensive glass. Could have been a lot better if Valanciunas wasn't in foul trouble. Um, but no, I think, I do agree with you. Steph, I thought Steph was great in both games. LeBron just hit a big shot and John Morant late in that game closed the deal. And I think if Golden State, if you go back and you look at that tape, if we protect the ball and we keep working and we keep moving, we're going to get something good. Even anything Steph gets is good, whether he's, you know, getting to the basket or he's pulling up from the logo. We're getting we're getting a good look. Um, but as usual, I think, you know, I think I've said this a couple of times. Golden State, we know what we're going to get from Steph. No question about it. It's going to it's going to be predicated on those other guys. I thought Draymond was pretty good. Um, You'd like to you'd like to see him be a tad more aggressive, um, scoring the basketball. But 
you know, when you get a, you know, a guy that's averaging six points on a year, he comes out and gets you, you know, 11 points, hit a three pointer at one point, 16 rebounds, 10 assists. I'm not mad at Draymond, but like Steph, got to protect the ball a little bit better. But I, I mean, I, you know, I, and I no, hate whoa, to ha- hold on now, hold on, I, and I, and I get what you're saying, you, but hey, he did all that in 45 minutes. It's only 48 mm-hmm. minutes in the game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So if if you if you want to see more scoring from Draymond, I'm not mad at that. What I'm just saying is, based on what he did in totality of the regular season. He did do a and, little bit more than he does on an average night. And he had a triple-double. I, I, right. I show respect. He so I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to be too hard on Draymond. And also, that's really, really not his role. No one's, I don't think we're going to get super upset with Draymond unless he's just out here putting up donuts, you know. Anything, you know, Draymond's known for his, for his playmaking, his rebounding, and his defense and all that stuff. The scoring is extra for him. Up now, I, and I don't, I, I don't want to pick on Andrew Wiggins. And Look, you put up you you put up twenty two and ten. That's nothing to like sneeze at, but you know there's far too far too often in the game where you just like feel like man, I haven't feel like I haven't heard from Wiggins in a while. Like you just don't see the impact possession to possession, and I think that's where he comes up short. And you know, I had a friend last night jokingly say on the broadcast, man, it's like it's like Andrew Wiggins is contractually obligated not to do more than like twenty two points. And, you know, we said, I've said this, you know, pretty much throughout the season and when they acquired him, Wiggins going to be the number three guy. And it just feels like that, I don't know, maybe that's all he's capable of. This team, we know how much they miss Klay Thompson. Um, and, but when you talk about where they go from here, I think first and foremost, you got to look at if they get healthy, what do you think of them? And I think there's a lot to like. You get Klay Thompson back. James Wiseman comes back. You got to believe that James Wiseman, he's going to take a step in, 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 in growth in his second year. And then the two X factors are Wiggins and Kelly Oubre. Oubre is another guy, you know, if he's healthy and he can come out there and contribute because they they really didn't use their bench much at all last night. It was really Poole and Toscano Anderson. You get Oubre as another guy that you can really rely on. Um, maybe things turn out different. So if they come back healthy, you know, I think this is a team who – at minimum, is a I think they can come out there and be a top four seed if they're healthy. Um, but you gotta, you do have to decide: Are Wiggins and Ubre going to be a part of that? Can they be, you know, key guys on a championship team? And as far you know, and the it, it ain't nothing, ain't nothing else changed as far as what they need. They still got to fill out this roster. You need those key bench guys, whether it be Livingston, Iguodala, those type guys. And I will say this: I thought Jordan Poole was fantastic last night. I think he proved or he, you know, took steps in proving that he can be a guy you can, they can rely on moving forward. He's got a, I think he's got a, a six man type of feel to him. He can come in there, inject energy to you, get you some quick buckets. Um, so I think that was a, that was the biggest bright spot for Golden State last night was Jordan Poole. Uh, but, but not to spend too much time on the Warriors because they're not moving on, but all the credit in the world to the, all the credit in the world to the Memphis Grizzlies. And of course we'll be talking about them a little bit more down the road as they get to play Utah, but they, they deserve a world of credit. You know, the ESPN was rolling some footage of John Morant before the game of him, like just looking timid as all can be from behind the three point line. And he came out early and just started letting it rip. And he knocked down a bunch of threes. Golden State was content to let him shoot. He made him pay for it. Um, 
and then just you know throughout the game he was aggressive he was decisive um, we know how we know how lethal he is getting to the painted area got a wide, got a great array of floaters that he can use use those down the stretch um, so you know and another thing to, to to your point about Taylor Jenkins this guy deserves a lot of credit I would you know I'm, I'm glad you brought it up with the whole New Orleans and all that. I wasn't even going to do it because they don't deserve to be brought up in this conversation at this particular moment in time. Uh, but think about Taylor Jenkins in this play-in. You know how the season ended for him last year. They were the eighth seed. They ended up the play-in kind of or the the bubble the bubble thing kind of screwed them over in the end. Um, but he comes out this year. Um, now they're in the now in, they're in the situation that Portland was in last year. They they get to be the nine, and he beat and he's able to overcome Greg Popovich. Now we know it's not the same Spurs team, but he did beat a Greg Popovich coach team, and he beats the Steve Kerr team. I think you know I, I've been impressed with Memphis all all season long and back to last year, and that you know I didn't think Memphis would would get to the playoffs, but it's only another step in the right direction for them, and. You know, all the they deserve all the credit in the world, they're, and their defense that they played last night, even with Steph, Steph getting thirty nine, I thought it was tremendous. Yeah. So I got one question for you. Like talking about the whole Memphis New Orleans comparison. Now, after everything we've seen up to this point from both Zion and and John ja Morant, what if you was to redo the draft, would you still take Zion number one? I think I, I think I would. I think there's just too much box office appeal. Like it's, I think I think it's almost a situation where it's not it's not only about what he does on the court, but he's. I mean, it's just one of those, the the appeal and the the he's gonna sell out of a sell out an arena. You know, right. COVID. But generally speaking, he's gonna sell out the arena no matter what and no matter where he goes. And right. he's got like it's almost, you know, it's almost a situation between like. Kobe and Shaq years ago, you know, a little, probably not the right comparison, but you know, Lakers were looking at down the road. We keep Kobe Bryant. We know we're gonna have him for years to come. That's not that's not the best comparison at all. But right, because I was mean, about to say they're the look, same age, so yeah. it's like I think it's I think for, I, but for I get Zion, what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's for Zion and Jai. It's um, I think Zion brings a little bit more like just the the overall appeal, and it, some of it's been pumped up by the media. Ja doesn't have the same like media, um, you know, machine just constantly pump, pumping and hyping him up to uh, the nth degree. So I would I would still go Zion, and I think, you know, I think just Memphis has been a little bit better run. And I mean, ta- I think also another thing like Taylor Jenkins doing a better job than Stan Van Gundy. You know, I think I think that's one thing. I, it looked like Taylor Jenkins is doing more with less than Stan Van Gundy is. So I think I think that's that's kind of how I look at that. All right, now to the East, where the Washington Wizards bounced back from their Tuesday night loss to the Celtics with a 142-115 win over the depleted Indiana Pacers. Bradley Beal scored 25 points, and Russell Westbrook added 18 points and 15 assists, and both shot the ball considerably better than they did against Boston. The Pacers got a triple-double from Demontis Sabonis and 24 points from Malcolm Brogdon, but the Pacers' defense got carved up as the Wizards shot 58% from the floor and 50% from behind the arc. 
Washington will face the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round, while the Pacers hope to use the offseason to get healthy as they finish their season with key contributors Miles Turner, Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, and Jeremy Lamb. They were without those guys. Drink, we've been hard on Wizards coach Scott Brooks on the, on the occasions we've discussed him, but his team did finish the season by winning 17 of their final 23 games. Would you bring him back for another season? Y- yes. Um... Now, now, when I answer this, I, I know people are going to be like, well, what's the difference between what Scott Brooks did and what, what Brad Stevens doing with the Celtics? Um, first of all, the Celtics is a better team, in my, in my opinion. I think that they're young stars. If, if they would have kept Daniel Tice, I don't think I would even be talking about getting rid of Brad Stevens. And I, listen, I'm not saying the Celtics should get rid of him. I'm just saying... If you look at the numbers, you look at what's good, like how the NBA roll, it might be time for Brad Stevens to leave just on the current model of how head coaches, you know, get fired and hired. Now, with Scott Brooks, yes, to answer your question, I would keep him. Yes, I would. At least another season. Because if the ownership of the Wizards thing is, let's run it back with Bill and and Westbrook, and then let's just try to get some more talent around them, then you might as well keep Scott Brooks. Because it's not like it's a scheme thing that's the problem. It's just, can I get a healthy Westbrook with a healthy Bill together so they can play well together? And then can I get enough complementary pieces, enough shooting, or no, a defensive guy, you know, around them to make us competitive with the top teams in the East. And if that's your case, that's not Scott Brooks' fault. So I I will keep him because I I just don't know if you're going to bring in another guy that will be able to, you know, handle the personality of Westbrook and, you know, everything that comes with him. I don't know if you could bring in another guy. You got to understand Scott Brooks got a relationship with Westbrook already. They was doing this in OKC. They're familiar with each other. Evidently, Bradley Bill gets he either he's faking the funk at a very high level or he do he gets along with Westbrook. So, do, I, if I'm ownership, do I want to blow this up? I mean, we are the Washington Wizards. Let's let's not you know get too bogged down in it. We're not the Milwaukee Bucks, you know. We're not the Philadelphia 76ers. So, you know, the expectation ain't sky high for me from the beginning. So, I don't, I don't see the reason why you wouldn't keep him around if, if I'm all things considered. I, I, I would definitely, and, and especially if you're talking about a one year extension, two year extension. Yeah, let's go ahead. Now, you go ahead and sign him to a four year, five year extension, then people going to be like, what, what what's going on? Hey, what, what are we doing here? Oh, okay. I see what we're doing. So we're getting ready for the lottery again, huh? We we just gonna get tanked for the lottery and wait for this dude to come out in 2024 out of the G League because they ain't going to college no more. Now they signing these contracts with the G League. So we're gonna you know wait for him to you know develop in the G League and then draft him number one overall in 2025 or some trash. So with that said, nah, man, I would definitely keep um, Scott Brooks around for a year or two. Up to the game itself. When when we was talking about this, I think either last Saturday or last Wednesday, I can't remember which day it was. Um, I think we, we both said the Celtics seven, the Wizards eight. And we did that mainly because 
listen, when it when it, when it all boils down, when the rubber meets the road, when the cream get to the top, we're going with the stars. Who are the stars? Okay, the Celtics usually have Tatum and Brown. Now it's more like Tatum and, and, and Kimball. Okay, cool. The Wizards got Bill and Westbrook. Okay, cool. Then you looked at the other two teams. The Pacers got Sabonis and question mark, question mark, question mark. And then, you know, the Hornets was like LaMelo and I guess Rozier or Bridges or Michael Jordan. I don't know who the hell you you, you pair up with that. So when you when you look at that that hierarchy, it was pretty it was pretty self-explanatory why we picked those two teams. At the end of the day, we came, we came up to the same result. The Celtics are the seventh seed. The Wizards are the eighth seed. I wanna I wanna say, <laughs> shouts out to the Pacers, right? They've been through a lot this season. I don't know. Did you see that that clip where um the head it wasn't the head coach. It was like the first assistant was like trying to fight. I forgot which who which player it was, but it was one of the younger players on the Pacers, like. He was like on the court trying to fight him during a timeout. And then the head coach is trying to give instructions. This guy back here thinking this WWE and he he doing what he's doing. The head coach turned around like what in the world going on? Instead of him drawing up a play, now he got to go ahead and be an internal referee. And the players are in the huddle like, we're going to, hey coach, you're going to drop a play. You know what? Don't worry about it, man. They just go back on the court and say F it. Um, <laughs> that had to be that had to be the low point of the Pacers season right there. That had to be the low point. And I remember watching that and thinking like, this ain't it. This coach might be over his skis over here. This ain't it right here. Wasn't necessarily his fault. Maybe I was just jumping to the jumping the gun and being a little hard on him. But that wasn't it. To see how they ended the season, to see possibly what they can do going into the next season. I just want to say kudos to them. Um, at least you made it to the um, play-in tournament and you actually performed. You came up short. Um, this is another team that's not fully healthy. We'd like to see when they come back and see how these pieces play better. Sabonis, Lavert, Brogdon. You like they got some guys. Turner. We, we we want to come back and see. You know, um, you, you 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 like to talk about uh, McConnell. You know. I like to see when they come back, but you know, I think this is rightfully so for them. You got it here. Nice seed. Sound about right. Holler at your boy. Um, but you know, back to the Wizards. Now we got the Wizards um, making it to the field of eight. I don't think they'll be here long. Gas up the jet. This won't take too long. That's how I kind of look at this. However, you know, I do want to, you know, get them shots out. And I think Scott Brooks does deserve to be there at least for another season. You know, congratulations to the Wizards. Um, we, I think we will see the Pacers again. But, yeah, man, you, you got you, at this point, you got to give um, Scott Brooks the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I, I do agree. I do agree. I, I think you bring him back, and it's more a more appropriate question than I thought because he's actually in the final year of the five-year deal he signed back five years ago. So, okay. first two years they went to playoffs. We know how the situation has deteriorated with uh, John Wall's health. So, you know, some of the some of the shortcomings you can likely trace to that because when John Wall was healthy, they was they were in the playoffs for what that's worth. Right. So, 
you know, and it, but it is a hard question because you we've seen how the NBA has done coaches recently. You know, something like you know we're talking about Lloyd Pierce, Nate McMillan, right. Billy Donovan, um, Dwayne Casey. You know, the list goes on and on about guys who, and sometimes it's that mm-hmm. third year that you get them all out of here. I think if you were going to let Scott Brooks go, it would have been the last two years. And after, but you know, and looking back a couple months ago. You would have said, "Oh yeah, there ain't no way this dude get another contract. He ain't getting no. This is it. No contract right. extensions. You got to get him out of here." But then, they, then you win. Then you go seventeen and six over your final twenty three, and they're in the playoffs. And that type of turn. When we talked about it, these play in teams, Boston just, you know, they they out here stuck in neutral pretty much the whole season to the tune of a thirty six and thirty six, and then Charlotte they was looking nice. In the fourth seed for much of the year, LaMelo gets hurt. The wheels come off that track. And then uh, the Pacers, God bless them. But, man, they just can't get healthy. They they <laughs> might be over the last five years. They got to be the team that has been just killed by injuries more than anybody else. That's true. So, I mean, you, you take all that consideration. Washington was – they were the one team out of these four who was playing really, really well. Uh, they got beat up by Boston. I mean, their stars just couldn't get it done. But – like, like I said, uh, like I said, Wednesday, I thought Beal and Westbrook, I don't think they could play that poorly two straight games. They did not. They played pretty well. They got some, they got some good contributions. Hachimura was good. Uh, Daniel Gafford, I got to figure out who he is at some point, but the numbers are looking really nice for him with the uh, 15 points, five blocks, I believe it was, 13 rebounds. And oh my Lord, Raul Nato looking like a, a competent starter in this league. I don't, whew, good job, man. But I mean, Indiana. I mean, Indi- look. Can you just just imagine Indiana with this starting five that they projected to have with Brogdon, Lavert, T.J. Warren, and Sabonis and Miles Turner? You're not gonna. There aren't many more starting fives. There may be like, you know, your top one and two guys that are obviously better. You can find a lot of duos better than Brogdon and Sabonis or whatever duo you want to give me. But top to bottom in that starting five, there aren't a lot more, there aren't a lot better starting fives than that. If they can get those guys on the court together, um, they're going to be, I got to believe they're going to be right back in the thick of the Eastern Conference as they've been over the past several years. They're normally a team you can look at right around that, that uh, four to five hole. Um, just just too many injuries this year. And first year for Nate Bajorkin. I didn't. I don't come away terribly impressed with him. I still. I still like to see Nate McMillan there, um, mm-hmm. but you know, all the injuries. I think it's fair that we also give him the benefit of the doubt, um, and especially when you're telling me stories about you know he over here having to play uh, mediator on the sideline when he should be drawing up plays. We got. I'm I guess telling I you, man. Hey, you consideration got. Too. Hey, I'm telling you, you got like Google it. Like I was like, what? <laughs> Is this dude, it was it was a wild scene over there. It was wild. For some reason, that also makes me think of that uh, that Kansas Kansas State brawl when Silvio or whatever <laughs> he was know, at that chair and all that. <laughs> yeah, um, right, right. But right. You know, back to back to Scott Brooks. You you make uh you make a great point about the prior relationship he has with Russell Westbrook. I still think that's a that's a relationship that's in a pretty that those things matter between superstar players and the coach. I'm not saying Russell Westbrook is hard to coach, but I don't know if you just want anybody to come in there and coach Russell Westbrook. Remember, this is his first year there. 
Um, they seem to be building something. They got. They do have a lot of work to do. I think after Bill and Westbrook, and I'd throw. Um, I like what I see from Hachimura right now, but they're gonna have. I mean, I, I don't know if you. I don't know if you want to uh, keep going with Alex Lynn as your starting center. And I know Neto Nito was he was Nito last night, but I, I gotta believe you gotta have something else. You know, so they gotta they gotta they gotta fill out their roster, get a little. Um, get a bit better around those two stars that they have, because they do have two absolute stars. We know uh, we just talked about, you know, in the in the break that, uh, you know, Steph Curry versus Russell Westbrook, how their games will age. Um, there's going to be a decline for Russell Westbrook. But, I mean, this guy just averaged 22 points, 12 assists, and 11 rebounds. I mean, he's doing just tremendous things. They even like, even as his athleticism declines, his, his, he's still got that basketball IQ. He's still going to be a threat. He's still going to create open shots for others. And just his overall, he's not going to lose that, you know, tenacity that he plays with. I don't think he's never going to lose that. And Bradley Beal, this guy's in the prime of his career. And he's a guy that can give you 30 easy on every night. So um, I do think, you know, it's a little bit of a interesting of a dynamic because, again, we see coaches from time to time, they don't get – they don't get this much run with, um, you know, not a lot to show for it. But right. given this is a unique situation, I don't think you move to the second season of Russell Westbrook in Washington without Scott Brooks. I don't think you want to do that. All right. We are now moving on to our NBA playoff preview, and we'll begin in the Eastern Conference with a top seed Philadelphia 76ers facing the aforementioned Washington Wizards. Okay, Drake, how much trouble can the Wizards give the 76ers? This is a sweep. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. But I, I, listen, we're going to get probably two games where it comes down to one possession. And then we, we on the edge of our seats like, oh, the Wizards are going to get a win. They're going to get a win. And then something else is going to happen. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't expect much from here. I, I think it's a sweep. Wizards, thank you for coming. Um, we'll see you next year. The gift basket is in the mail. <laughs> I don't disagree all that much. I, this is what I think we're going to see in this series. I think Philly's going to win the first two games. And then I think Embiid and Ben Simmons, they'll be, you know, they'll fall asleep or whatever on the, you know, might be during the game because they think it's so easy. I think Westbrook and Bill, they're good enough. They'll get them game three. But then Doc Rivers goes in there, cracks the whip, so to speak, and they take care of him four and five. I think I think it's a gentleman's sweep. I think the I think 76ers win this one in five. Okay, the Brooklyn Nets, the ones with uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and maybe James Harden. I don't know. They'll get the uh, they'll get the 76ers of Jason Tatum and the the not Jalen Brown 70, uh, Celtics because he won't play. Uh, what do you have for that one? Now that one, I, the philosophy you just gave for the first game is the philosophy I'm taking with that one. I think Kyrie, you don't know if he's gonna play or not. We that's what he do. I think this one, this one goes five. I think the Celtics are good enough to win a game. I think Tatum, you know, could give you one of those fifty-point joints, um, and then the rest of the team, you know, Mark Smart and et cetera, et cetera, come through, get you one game, and and then the Nets say, listen, bump the defense. We're just gonna go out here and put up hundred and fifty, and then ride off in the sunset. So I think that one, Nets and five, Tatum drop fifty points. They'll get one game. Yeah, I'm the I'm the opposite on this one. Um, I think this one's a sweep. 
I think um, Jason Tatum is capable of getting them a game. Um, but man, it almost, I mean, even though they beat Washington by 18 in the play-in, I mean, you almost felt like it. you needed a 50-point night from Jason Tatum. And also keep this in mind in that game, they got they got 79 combined from Jason Tatum and Kimball Walker. They, they Their depth, and I've talked about it lately, their depth is unimpressive. I think even with the problems Brooklyn has right now, we just don't know, like, you know, the KD, Kyrie, Harden thing, we just haven't seen it a lot together. I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna matter much in this scenario. And I think the writing's on the wall in Boston for this year. I think they know that they don't have a chance in this series. Okay, we got a rematch from last year's Eastern Conference semifinals. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. What do you got? Ooh, doggy. Um, I'm going six. Milwaukee. Get them in six. Here's here's why. Different dynamic from last year. You got to travel. Um, you got fans. Giannis got something to prove this year. He been he kind of been flaming out in these playoffs. We we getting it's getting a little old now. He got to show us something. I think this is his his chance to show us something. I love Miami and what that. This is why I get them the, the respect and say six, possibly even seven. I think they got enough to win two or three games. But at the end of the day, Milwaukee pulls this series out. Um, they got the home court advantage. I, it's just very hard for me to see them losing this series with these circumstances. Because this is not the bubble. This is not, hey, we're going from the hotel to the court, from the court back to the hotel. That's not this. That was something different. Now you're traveling. These young guys are going to get a feel of what it feels like to be in the postseason travel fans, you know, and everything that comes along that they missed last year in the process. So I'm going with Milwaukee in six. This, I think this one's going the distance. Um, okay. you, bring, you bring up some valid points. It's going to be a little bit different than it was last year. You're going to have travel. You're going to have some fans. Um, I also think there's a lot of pressure on Milwaukee. You think about it. They don't want, you don't want to go out in the first round this year because it, this will be the third straight season they've went backwards from the Western Conference, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Semis, and now the Eastern, uh, Eastern Conference first round. That, I mean, that ain't something that's going to look going on a resume of Giannis or Mike Budenholzer. Um, so I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on them. And there's a couple of series in this first round that I think game one is critical and game one is critical to Milwaukee. They need a good start in this series today, this afternoon. Um, to get some confidence. If they lose game one, you got to believe there's going to be some thoughts on, oh, here we go again against this team. Miami's Miami's going to make things different, difficult on them. Bam Adebayo and Giannis, you know how I feel about Bam Adebayo and what he does in his all-around game, but especially on the defensive end. Giannis going to have his work cut out for him. I think in the end, it's going to come down to those others, particularly Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Giannis is going to need a supporting cast to step up. I think they do enough but it's going to be a battle. It's going to go seven. And Knicks and Hawks, a very interesting four or five matchup that both of those teams should be uh, pleased that they landed in because they don't have to play Milwaukee, Brooklyn, or Philadelphia. <laughs> Who wins that one? All right, so this is, um, I'm going to consider this the best first-round series in the Eastern Conference for me. This one goes seven, I think. And... I'm, I'm taking the Knicks in seven. Um, I got to take Knicks because, listen, 
Offensively, Atlanta is better. Defensively, New York is better. And it ain't even close if you're asking me my opinion. Um, so I'm going to take the defense. They're the higher seed. They get the first two games in New York. I think that's going to rally some of these guys. You know, the two best players, Julius Randle for the Knicks, you know, Trey Young for the, the Hawks. I just I, – I, right now I think I believe more in Julius Randle. I know that sounds wild, but I, I just like what he's doing more. So I'm going to take the Knicks in seven um, because of their defense and because of Julius Randle. I'm – I'm really close. I'm really close to changing my position that I've held most of the season that the Knicks just don't have enough offense to overcome to, you know, to complement their outstanding defense. I'm come close, but I'm I'm sticking with my position. I'm going Atlanta. I think in the end they just got too much firepower. Um the the, the Knicks are going to be in every game. They're going to make things different difficult, but I think, you know, in the last the last 3 minutes of you know, a lot of the of, you know, a handful of these games, the Hawks, the Hawks will execute offensively. The Knicks are going to struggle. Um, it's Julius Randle. It's just it's just going to be hard. Um, so uh, but it's going to be a fantastic series. Two great coaches, Nate McMillan and Tom Thibodeau. And I think it goes a di uh, distance. Uh, but I do I do think the Hawks win it in seven. All right, moving on to the West, and we'll start with the one seed Utah Jazz and the eight seed Memphis Grizzlies, who are back in the playoffs after missing the postseason for three straight years. Uh, give the Grizzlies any shot in this one? Yes, Grizzlies. That, yes, this go five. Grizzlies good enough to get one game. Um, <clears throat> listen, I know we stuck on Utah being, you know, uh, they number one team in three point shooting. The thing about shooting is this. I've never seen a series where a team, even Golden State, prime example, Golden State was at the prime of their run. It wasn't a series where they was on fire all seven games, all six games, all five. So it's going to be a game here where they, they're going to have a clunker, right? And with the way Memphis play, because they play defense, they don't – they shoot threes. Everybody shoot threes, but they're not predicated on threes. They're more predicated around the rim or the mid-range. Um, now, Brooks, he's more of a three-point shooter. But when John Morant is engineering that offense, it's more of a mid-range to paint game. Um, I think that's good enough to get you a game in a series against a team like Utah. But that's about it. That's about it. After that point, I think – you know, you get that one bad game from Utah, and then they'll have enough offense with the defense to, to get, you know, wrap them up and get them out of here. So I'm going to say five games, Utah advance to the next round. I give, I give them a little bit more shot. I, you know, I felt, um, you know, if, if Golden State had made it to the first run, I'd give them probably a little bit more of a shot. Uh, but right, I, right, I, right. I just been highly impressive, impressed with what I've seen from Memphis. Uh, I don't think there's a there's a team, there's no punk in Memphis. Um, I don't think, I just can't see them uh, coming out here and just getting rolled, uh, rolled on out of here. I think this was going six. Um, and I think, I think Memphis is going to make them sweat. Um, but in the end, I do think Utah's a little bit too balanced. Uh, I think they, Utah's got a little bit more uh, offensive weaponry than Memphis does. I think both, both teams play really good defense. And I think the matchup to watch is, uh, Jonas Valanciunas against Rudy Gobert. I think if Valanciunas has a big series um, and can, you know, get Gobert in some foul trouble and uh, do some uh, 
do some work in the paint. Um, I, I think that'll be a great benefit um, to Memphis. But uh, ultimately, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he's scheduled to, to come back. Uh, and I think that's the, that's the biggest thing for Utah. We know he was out a little bit down the stretch. Um, but with him back in the mix, uh, that should be enough, and they should um, be safe and move on to the second round. All right, you know, you know, this is the one you've been waiting for. The uh, second seed Phoenix Suns are underdogs to the seventh seed defending champs in the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and I'm not even surprised by that. How about you? <laughs> no, I'm not surprised. Come on, you know what it is. LeBron James, AD, et cetera, defending champs, you know, what, what, what not. Um, and I think that's for the reason that we always lay out. What are we going to get from Chris Paul? How would Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Aiden and Mikhail Bridges, how would they perform under these lights? Um, and with that said, I think this goes six, the Lakers in six. Here's the thing about LeBron. Um, we, we know LeBron's attitude when it comes to, you know, the season, then the first rounds. He's kind of like, you can give up a game. I think they will give up a game. Um, you know, Le LeBron... He's in the news right now for, you know, the, violating the health and safety protocols. I just seen something that said it won't affect his plan as far as Sunday game go. But with all that said, the Lakers going to give away a game. I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's the first game they give away just because that's what LeBron do. The game is um, chess, not checkers. So he, he's going to, you know, formulate, calculate in that first game. And then, you know, usually how the Lakers get down four or five, six they usually take care of it in the rest of the series so yeah i got this one going six lakers in six what say you i agree i think it'll be six much like i thought um game one for milwaukee is going to be highly important i think game one for phoenix is, is is critical they got home court um and and they know they 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 cannot not know that the lakers are favored First time uh, two seed has been an underdog in like 30 years or something. Um, and for good reason. I mean, the Lakers, there's no, the only reason the Lakers are in this position is because, you know, LeBron was out for so long and AD was out for a while. You know, th those are the two guys that, you know, carried them to the, to the championship last year. Um, they're back now. Once again, LeBron out there hitting game winning shots when apparently he came and see anything. Um, so I got to believe his vision is back. Um, so, I th and I do agree, like, remember last year in the first round, Lakers out here flopping off against the Portland Trailblazers. They dropped game one and everybody's like, oh my gosh, Portland might do it. And no, no, quit it. Um, so, you know, I think the same thing very well could happen. I know this much. If the Lakers lose game one, you feel a lot more confident in them coming back than you do about Phoenix if they lose game one. I think Phoenix got to win game one to get some confidence. Um, but even if they do, I'm rolling with the Lakers, and I got them in six as well. Um, the Denver Nuggets, perhaps an MVP in Nikola Jokic going out there against that uh, that star-studded backcourt of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Uh, what do you have for that one? Not my two favorite teams in the NBA right here or the conference, but I'm going to say this. I think this, for me, will be my, my series of, of, of the first round for the Western Conference. Much like um, I said over in the Eastern Conference, I think these two, you know, with the likes of Jamal Murray being out and, um, you know, Jokic, the Joker, stepping his game up and the guys around him stepping their game up. And, and Portland, at some point, they got to ask themselves, like, I think that they played the Nuggets 
in the last three series, or at least the last two years, they didn't play the Nuggets. Um, you, you you just gotta you gotta ask yourself, like, what, are we what are we doing here? Like, when are we gonna get to the next level? I, I like when are we gonna play like we want to be here at some point. So. I say that to say this. I think this is going to be the best series. I think this is a seven-game series. We did see them play the seven games before, two years ago, um, the, when Portland made it to the, the Western Conference Finals. Um, so I, I think we, we, they, we got a possibility for fireworks. But without, with everything say, said, I can't trust Portland. So I'm going the Nuggets in seven for this series. I agree. I don't trust Portland either. But I, I also, in a, listen, what the Nuggets have done since losing Jamal Murray is admirable. It may well get Jokic an MVP award. Um, but I really think the play, come playoff time, this is where you're really going to see the loss of Jamal Murray really show up and hurt the Nuggets. Uh, this Portland backcourt, you know, go ahead and go on the second round and forget about it. But for one series, I think Damian Lillard, I think CJ McCollum, I think they do enough. My Lord, we got an NJ and Nikola Jokic and JE and Yusuf Nurkic. It's going to be a European showdown in the middle. I think Nurkic might do a few things against him. I'm, you know, I'm the first time ever. I might put, I'm going to put some faith in him. Uh, maybe he can hold him to like 25 points a game and we'll say, oh, he did his job. Uh, but I think any, I think it's just, it's too much to ask the Joker from the front court to get it done. While the Portland Trailblazers, for the most part, they're locked and loaded, healthy. And I think Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, I think they're good enough for one round. And uh, then it'll be much more interesting to see what they do with Terry Stotts. Blazers in seven. And we got one more rematch out west. This was a 2-7 meeting last year, but now it's a 4-5. This is the Clippers and the Mavericks. Clippers and the Mavericks. I know, um, you know, when we, when we talk about... Um, Best series, worst series. Usually that four or five matchup is usually your best series. Um, but in this one, I don't think so. I think we're going to get a more motivated Clippers. Um, and, and listen, they seen what Luka did last year. They got they got a firsthand uh, view of what Luka can do. Um, you know, I, I guess Porzingis may or may not be in the series. Who the hell knows? Um, anybody know what, what the latest and greatest on the unicorn is? Let me know something. Um, but with that said, I'm going to take the Clippers in six um, because I think we get a motivated Clippers, like I said, a more together Clipper team, a focused Clipper team, and last but not least, a team that's seen what Luka and, and to some extent um, Porzingis can do when you don't take them serious, when, you, when you're not focused on them. So, yeah, I'm taking the Clippers in six. Yeah, uh, just so you know, if you Google is poor and like the beginning of Porzingis' name, the first uh, search result is Porzingis healthy. So you're not the only one uh, wondering his status. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I do think I think this is going to be the best series in, uh, in the Western Conference first round. Um, you know, there's reasons to be optimistic for both. Um, the Mavericks have taken some dramatic steps forward. You know, they were they, they were ahead of schedule last year. We kind of thought they'd be like a fringe a fringe playoff team. They made it in as a seventh seed, and then they surprised us even more by 
um, you know, making the Clippers sweat to a tune of a six game series in the first round. Uh, and now they, they, you know, they've stepped it up even more to the five seed. Um, the Clippers, you know, they're kind of, they, they kind of fallen a little bit under the radar throughout the year. Um, kind of in the three, four range, most of the season. I think that, I think the Clippers get it done, but I think it's going seven. And I do think the, uh, I do think Porzingis will be the deciding factor. And I also say, I think this series, perhaps, perhaps maybe more than any other first round series could have a just dramatic ramifications one way or the other, especially for the Clippers. If the Clippers come out here and flop around and lose in the first round, I mean, they made they made some they made some big changes last season, but I mean, I don't think I don't think Kawhi's out here for the first for the first round and exit. I think he wanted to come out here and uh, stick it to LeBron and take over LA, and that is right, not right. that is not what has happened. So, um, of course, the Clippers, you know who it's going to come down as well. It's going to come down to Paul George, Paul George, and uh, to me, Paul George and Kristaps Porzingis, who's the better two? We know it's Paul George, but he got to prove it. Um, and Porzingis is just about are you healthy and are you going to be there consistently? Remember, he was not last season. That's going to be the deciding factor. All right, time to finish off the show with rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, drink. Let's roll, baby. Yesterday, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver told ESPN Radio that he thinks the NBA play-in tournament should continue because of the entry it provides and the incentive it gives teams to play out the regular season. Do you agree? Oh, man, it's a two-sided argument. I see where he's coming from. You can say that maybe it uh, decentivizes tanking. You know, we saw Chicago Bulls. They certainly tried their best at the trade deadline. They tried to get to the 10th spot, but they uh, they did not. But I do think, you know, in the end, we're going to see more uh, play-ins look like the East um, than the West. I think this is a real rare situation where we get – um, teams like the Lakers and Warriors and even the Grizzlies giving us some uh, great performances. Um, I just don't think we're going to see LeBron and Steph in the play in too much. And uh, I think once we see some more, you know, some more of those mediocre eight, nine, 10 teams, uh, the quality of the quality of basketball that we get, it'll look more like the Eastern Conference action that we saw. Uh, Houston area high school running back Jadon Blue, who is number 82 in the ESPN 300 for 2022 is electing to sit out his high school football season and prepare for his college career at the University of Texas. Drink, this is something I don't think I've ever read about before. Um, is this a common occurrence in high school? I, I think it's not to this point, but I think it could be. Um, listen, the more the more we allow, well, the more that college players are allowed to do it, then high school players are gonna see the, the wisdom. And then you think about it, these universities are gonna see the wisdom. Listen, we just seen Jamar Chase and uh, Panay Sewell both sit out the whole year, and they both went where they was projected to go for the most part. So if, if a player can do that on the college level to go to the pros, I don't see why a high school player couldn't do that to get to the college, because at the end of the day, it's their career. They want to they wanna get to the next level as healthy as they can. And if you have enough tape, and you commit to a school, and that school is like you're our guy, and you tell them, "Hey, I want to set out my last, you know, season to make sure I'm healthy before I come on campus." Okay, I ain't mad at it. Boom. All right. So I do think this is an occurrence we're gonna see more. Now, what I'm hoping is we don't have the whole top 20 of the class doing this. Then what are we looking at? Like we have no tape to look at, and you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot. But 
I'm not mad at it. I understand it. And, and if both parties agree to it, then let's do it. The Tampa Bay Rays have traded shortstop Willie Adanis and right-hander Trevor uh, Richards in, in, in exchange for two right-handers, Drew Ramusas and J.P. Fire Rising. What do you think of that trade, Jay? I think the uh, the it's a little bit surprising because I thought Adamas was one of the one of the uh, building blocks for the Rays. Uh, I thought he was off to a little bit of a rough start this year. Uh, meanwhile, the Brewers have a shortstop in uh, Luis Urias, I believe, who he's not off to that big of a start. So they're trying to get some shortstop help. Meanwhile, uh, we know how the Tampa Bay Rays like to manage their bullpen. That's a big part of what they do. And talk about how Nick Anderson is going to be out for uh, an extended period. So maybe Rasmussen and Firehausen can, uh, you know, can help with that. So in the end, I think, uh, I think both teams got something of what they needed. The Washington red team. Yes. I said red team has released starting right tackle Morgan Moses, who had started every game for him since 2015. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Um, in today's NFL, I think, I think it's, it's at least, at least a little deal. I don't know if it's a big deal, but at least a little deal. Listen, for you to have a tackle, left or right, either one, don't really matter, that has started since 2015, you know how rare that is? That's a unicorn for real. Um, but at the end of the day, maybe he's old. Maybe, you know, maybe he wants too much money. It's a business. So we, we understand you good, but do you know how many tackles come out of the draft every year? So we'll move on, and if you still got game, we'll let you go to another team and be their starting right tackle. But you you never know why stuff happens. But I would say this. It ain't too many tackles that can say what he can say as far as being a starter since 2015. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is ahead of schedule for his toe surgery, and he'll be back on the practice field this week. Good news, right? Uh, for the Chiefs, uh rest of the NFL probably like, man, Wish he could have been out a little bit longer. Now, any extra preparation uh, Patrick Mahomes has to get better and uh, continue to hone his craft. Uh, not good news for the rest of the NFL, but uh, for the Chiefs fans and the, the you know viewers like us, um, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, we're beginning to see reports of NBA expansion uh, and the locations being looked at are Seattle and Las Vegas. Um, are you for or against this? Oh, man, I'm for it. I am for it. Um, listen, we, we know what Seattle can do with a franchise. We know the Supersonics was there. So that's a thriving market. Um, you want to go back and open that market up again. Kevin Durant has been very vocal about, you know, getting another team now. So you know you're going to have the NBA support and the player support as far as trying to, you know, be involved in the ownership there. And then Las Vegas, let's be real here. We know what it is. We see what the Raiders got going on with their new stadium there in Las Vegas. Las Vegas got a lot of money. They're itching to spend it. They want to be part of the, the franchise landscape, the sports landscape. So go ahead and open up one now, and, and we'll see. Um, but I, I love the idea. I, I think those are two good places for uh, different reasons, but still two good two good locations for the NBA to um, look to expand. So I like it. The New York Yankees center fielder Aaron Hicks could miss the rest of the season after his surgery to repair a torn tendon shield in his left wrist. How does this affect the Yankees moving forward? I think it's going to, it's going to hamper their depth. I think they'll look to Brett Gardner to go to center field. They really, I mean, you think of guys like Aaron judge and young Carlos Stanton, those are more corner outfielders. So I think it's something that maybe their defense could suffer a little bit because of it. And um, 
you know, he's one of their, he's, I think he's their, really their only switch hitters. So um, he's also a guy that works to count really well. But um, I think I think it's going to, it could be a factor, but we've also seen in the past, you know, the Yankees seem to be like everybody's hurt and yet they keep just, you know, plugging along until the playoffs. So I don't think this will hurt them much in a regular season, um, but, in the, but if he misses the playoffs as well, um, it, it could, I think it could hurt him then. All right, this evening on ESPN at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas, it's the undisputed super lightweight titles on the line in a match of undefeateds when Josh Taylor steps in the ring against Jose Carlos Ramirez. All right, who leads as the undisputed drink and what? I'm going to go with Ramirez. Just um, listen, Josh Taylor, hell of a fighter. Both of these guys, this is going to be a, a very good matchup for top rank in promotion. Um, but at the end of the day, I just like Ramirez. I think Ramirez have fought like more quality opponents. And Ramirez got a, a more of a I'm going to go through you style. Um, and, and you got you, Josh Taylor. Listen, the, the guy is he seems to be somewhat of a knockout artist. I question his resume a little bit. So that's why I'm going with Ramirez. So I think, you know, um, Jose Ramirez will walk out the undisputed champ. Bucks coach Bruce Arian said he is not tied to Tom Brady and he has no plans to retire anytime soon in an interview with Perta Report Podcast. What do you think of those comments? I thought he was absolutely right. I mean, this is a guy, even though it, it, you know, Tom, the addition of Tom Brady helped him win his, uh, his first Super Bowl. This is a guy who's had successful stints, had a, a great a great career with the Arizona Cardinals, got them to a close to a Super Bowl. Um, and also can't forget his time, you know, working with Indianapolis with Andrew Luck, working with Pittsburgh with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so, no, I don't think I don't look at his, um, you know, reputation completely tied uh, to Tom Brady. Um, the only thing I didn't, the only thing I didn't like what, what he said was he like, oh, you know, if uh, you know, down the line, you know, Tom Brady, whatever, uh, we got Blaine Gabbert. I think Blaine Gabbert's the most underrated player in the NFL. Like we, we know you just, we, that's, that, that's a load of nonsense. But, but outside of that, I thought he was absolutely right. All right, last one tonight, it's UFC fight night. Font versus Garbrandt on ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The main event is a bantamweight fight between the number three ranked contender, Rob Font. And the number four ranked contender, Cody Garbrandt. Who you got, Drink? Ooh, this is a tough one. I, I like both of these guys. Both of these guys are some brawlers. They come in there. Um, Rob Font just took a little longer to get to his spot than it took Cody Garbrandt. You know, Garbrandt, the former Bantamweight champion. Uh, but then he went through a rough patch where he lost like three, four fights in a row. Um, but he, he didn't bounce back in a, in a big way. So with that said, I'm gonna say Gumbret um, with, with with a possibly a knockout somewhere in the second or third round, and um, so he can get back to his his second stint at making a run at the bantamweight championship. All right, that concludes today's drink of wisdom. Thank you for joining us. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. I'm Jay Wise, and I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than, than today, and make today better than yesterday. You know what we gonna do. It's the NBA playoffs, baby. Y'all know y'all need to tune in. And we're going to holler at you until next time, baby.